Welcome to the New York Mandate podcast, where we take a look at the costs and consequences of New York's COVID-19 vaccine mandates. I'm Amy, and in this series, I'll be talking with people who have been directly affected by mandates about their perspectives and experiences. I'm here today uh, in Queens with Chris, who has a quite lengthy teaching career behind him. Mm -hmm. Um, It was cut short, and we've talked a little bit about that. I think it's fair to say you're not happy. Not happy at all. (laughs) About what happened. No, my teaching career was cut short is a nice way of putting it. (laughs) Uh, 23 years and eight months at the same school in New York City Department of Education. And uh, I was terminated. First put on leave without pay on October the 4th, 2021. And then officially terminated on February 11th, 2022. Uh, So it was a two-step process, basically. And terminated for doing nothing wrong. I'm going to say it loud and clear. I did absolutely nothing wrong. I was terminated for a failure to comply with the New York City vaccine mandate. That's why I was terminated. Had nothing to do with my teaching or anything like that. It was just because I simply did not want to be a lab rat in an experiment and getting that experimental vaccine, if you want to call it a vaccine, injected into my bloodstream, there was no way I was going to do that. So why were you first put on leave? So uh, myself, along with thousands of other New York City teachers, were put on LWOP, leave without pay, on October the 4th. We were supposed to have been vaccinated by the end of September, and then the first official day of leave without pay was October 4th. Did you submit some kind of uh, application for an exemption? I did. Um, First, let me say that I don't believe that we should even need an exemption. That's my opinion. I don't believe that in a country that prides itself on being the land of the free should even need an excuse as to why you don't want to get vaccinated. You should be able to simply say, I don't want to get vaccinated, period, end of discussion. But I actually do have reasons why. Well, one is that I don't want to get vaccinated, but I do have very serious concerns as I have a history of pulmonary embolisms, unfortunately. Got my first pulmonary embolism in 2002, Um, was in the hospital for 10 days, almost died, was in ER at Long Island Jewish Hospital, and then uh, spent 10 days in the hospital and, you know, and unfortunately the... They came back again in 2013, again in 2019. My medical doctor of 30 plus years uh, wrote a note for me that I should not get the vaccine due to risk of future uh, blood clots. And, you know, she is my personal physician of, like I said, 30 plus years. And they denied me. They denied that exemption, if you can believe that. You know, so it's like somehow someone who's never met me, doesn't know a thing about me, they determined that that wasn't a good enough reason. And I'm like, are you kidding me? So yeah, that was, that was the first situation. And then so when that was denied, they also sort of allowed for religious exemptions. And it is against my personally held religious beliefs that I do not want to get vaccinated. It's how I feel. You know, I believe everyone has a personal relationship with God. They tried to put it as you had to be of a certain religion. And to the best of my knowledge, the only people who got religious exemptions were Jehovah's Witnesses and Christian scientists. Now, if you were to ask me what religion are you, I don't even see that as a valid question. 
because everyone has a personal relationship with God and it's supported by the First Amendment of the Constitution. Congress shall make no law for an establishment of religion or prohibiting the free exercise thereof. So if there are 121,000 members of the UFT, then there could be 121,000 different versions of what that person's relationship to God is. Am I making sense? Mm -hmm. You don't have to belong to a particular religion, but the only way that they supposedly allowed religious exemptions was if you had a note from your clergy who supported this. And then, of course, when it went to court and things like that, they were saying things like, well, the Pope says you should get vaccinated and, you know, the Dalai Lama. <laughs> I'm like, I don't care what the Pope says. I honestly couldn't care less. So I wrote a note in October and I followed up with another one in November and I sent it by certified mail, return receipt requested, and never received a response. So, you know, I'm now part of two lawsuits. One has to do with religious freedom and the other, which is a more recent one, on March 24th, Mayor Eric Adams held a press conference in which he stated that athletes and performers, he was really emphasized the word performers. If you are a performer, regardless of where you perform, he actually said regardless, but it's regardless of where you perform, um, that you could go back to work unvaccinated. So that means people like Kyrie Irving, who was obviously a very public figure, plays for the Brooklyn Nets, he could go back, and anyone who was a performer. So I made the case and said, well, by definition, a stripper is a performer, performing in a gentleman's club. So an unvaccinated stripper can go back into a gentleman's club and you know give lap dances to total strangers, and that's okay. So what does that tell you? That should tell everyone that this has absolutely nothing to do with public health. Nothing at all. It has to do with dollars. It has to do with power and control. This has nothing to do with public health. They don't give a darn about your health or your safety. When you're saying that your uh, exemptions were denied or just not responded to, or people were um telling you kind of what the criteria were for the religious exemptions. Who are you talking about? Like, who denied your application for a medical exemption? Uh, the New York City Department of Education. But let me add that the teachers union, the UFT, the United Federation of Teachers, while they will claim, oh, we did everything to try to... That is absolutely not true. They did nothing to help us because... On August 23rd of last year, that was the day that uh, then-Mayor Bill de Blasio mandated the vaccine for all New York City employees. And instead of immediately um, following up with a statement that they were outraged about this, that the UFT was outraged that de Blasio was going to mandate an experimental substance injected into your bloodstream as a condition of employment, the UFT sent out an email saying, okay, the mayor has mandated it. And, uh, you know, they didn't, there was no fight. They just kind of went along with it, you know. And it wasn't until that there was reaction on the part of many UFT members that said, well, wait a minute, hold on. I have medical conditions. I have religious release. And then they kind of said, like, all right. You know, but on October 4th, which was the day that teachers were put on leave without pay if you weren't vaccinated, Michael Mulgrew held a press conference and by then 
the vaccination rate for UFT members was up to 97%. Now, let me make a point. In the email he put out on August 23rd, he said that the vaccination rate for teachers already at that point was a little under 80%, okay? So that means out of 121,000 members, somewhere in the neighborhood of 24,000 UFT members on August 23rd were not vaccinated. The vaccine had been out for eight months at that point. So my opinion is that if you wanted the vaccine, you would have gotten it by then. So you had approximately 24,000 members of the UFT that did not want the vaccine. Mm -hmm. That number went to 97% because people were coerced. They didn't get it because they wanted to. They got it because they were forced to because their jobs were now on the line and people had mortgages to pay and families to feed and really had no choice. So, you know, I'm one of the last holdouts, you know, um, I'm in that 3% if, if it's still 3% because it might be more, you know, vaccinated since October. But, you know, Michael Mulgrew held a press conference on October 4th and he said, well, look, I'm happy about 97% but I wish it was 100%. And there you go. That is the UFT's position. And anytime if you called the UFT back in September, October, and you asked, I spoke to UFT staff members that were like, well, why don't you just get the vaccine? And I was like, are you kidding me? Like, I wanted to yell at these people saying, first off, it's none of your business. And, you know, secondly, I have, I do have reasons, but... Why aren't you fighting for us? Don't tell me, well, just get the vaccine. That's not a solution. A union is supposed to fight for its members' rights. And the really infuriating thing is that about a month ago, as you all know by now, the Supreme Court overturned Roe versus Wade. Within an hour, the UFT put out a statement on its Facebook page saying that they were outraged by the Supreme Court overturning Roe versus Wade. And that we as Americans should have the freedom to do what we want with our bodies and our lives. They actually put that on their Facebook page. And I said, where was your outrage on August 23rd? You're outraged about Roe versus Wade, which has absolutely nothing to do with the union. It is not a union issue at all. Roe versus Wade is not a union issue. Teachers being mandated to get the vaccine, of course was. It affected 121,000 members, and especially the 24,000 that were not vaccinated at that point and did not want the vaccine. So the UFT didn't have any kind of outrage at all when the vaccine was mandated, but they're worried about Roe versus Wade. Are you kidding me? And then if you look at the comments on the Facebook page, there was no positive comments at all. And on both sides of the issue, because whether you were pro-choice or pro-life, even the pro-choice people were stating, this is hypocrisy. This is hypocrisy. While I, you know, People were saying this, not me, but while I believe that, you know, they should not have overturned Roe versus Wade, this is hypocrisy by saying that, you know, people should have a right to do with their body. Where was the right to do what we want with our body back in last August, last fall? That's when the UFT should have been fighting for us. And the UFT did nothing. Michael Mulgrew and the so-called leadership of the UFT did nothing to protect its members. Mm -hmm, mm-hmm. um, when it comes to your religious exemption application, Mm-hmm. It's, I, I've heard uh, that people have um, gotten all kinds of different information in the, you know, when they were applying about 
the criteria and what, where were you getting information about how to apply for that and do you know who that went to? I guess you never got a reply, but do you know who was supposed to be reviewing that? So they gave us until I think it was about September 20th to apply for medical or religious. Now in my case, I applied for medical because they weren't saying you could do both. I applied for medical because I thought there's no way they can turn this down. I've got a medical doctor saying I shouldn't get the vaccine. I was thrown for a loop when they turned it down. So you had until around September 20th to apply for one or the other. So the information was coming from the Department of Education and also the UFT. So we were getting emails from both saying, here's what you need to do. But again, it was very limited in scope. They were saying you have to have a note from your clergy. And, and as it turned out, I can't give you the number, but 99 point something percent of the people did not get religious exemptions. You know? And it didn't matter whether you were a Christian, Catholic, uh, Muslim, a Jew, whatever. It didn't really matter. They were turning down there. Like I think I said, the only ones that, to the best of my knowledge, were approved were Jehovah's Witnesses and Christian scientists. That was it. I think I have heard of some other religions being approved, but not in any consistent kind of way. Well, yeah. <laughs> I mean, we went to court over this. Yeah. And this was, you know, battled in the courtrooms and, and uh, you know, <laughs> I'm laughing right now because there's a fly going on. And it's That's a <laughs> yellow jacket. <laughs> I think you have to like flick him away. I, I don't want him to sting me. He, <laughs> he just crawled over your back. Right. Anyway. Okay. Um, Sorry. Yeah, it's okay. So yeah, this went into the courts and I think around November 15th, they actually said that what they did was unconstitutional. So now we're going to redo the process. But then when they redid the process, they still didn't approve any religious exemptions. And the other interesting thing is that the judge who was overseeing one of the cases, her name was Judge Caproni. I believe that's how you pronounce her last name. And it just came out recently within the last few weeks. I guess she had to disclose her financial information. And it turned out that she owned stock in Pfizer. And it was, you know, a conflict of interest and she had to recuse herself from the case. So then they went to the next judge and guess what? He also owned stock in Pfizer and I think a couple of other big pharma uh, companies. And now we're on the third judge who also supposedly owns somewhere between 100,000 and $250,000 in stock in Pfizer. And they're all basically saying, oh, well, you know, it's not a conflict of interest. And like it clearly is. So now I don't know what's going to happen with this third judge. I don't know if it's going to go forward with this judge or if they're going to now have to find somebody else. But look at what's going on. We're having trouble finding a judge that doesn't own stock in whether it's Pfizer or any of the other big pharma companies. This is crazy. Mm -hmm. What do you think about the arguments that were made um about teachers specifically, uh, about it being important for teachers to be vaccinated, to be in the schools as a measure to take to protect children um, from, from exposure to the virus? That logic to me is completely insane. It's not logic. I don't even know why I use the word. If you get a vaccine, who does the vaccine protect? You. If I get a vaccine, I am protecting myself, supposedly. 
All right, let's say supposedly. I don't believe it does. And obviously, everything that's happened over the last, whatever, year and a half proves that the vaccine doesn't work because, I mean, how ironic is that we're doing this interview today because, in case you didn't hear this morning, the President of the United States tested positive for COVID. Double vax, double boosted. So where is this whole notion that the vaccine even works? It is an experiment. You have to wait five, 10 years before you even know if the vaccine works. And here we are, we're, what, a year and a half into it being you know, out there, and it doesn't work. So that's the first thing. The vaccine does not work. And they keep moving the goalposts because when it first came out, they're like, it's gonna be effective, and once you get the vaccine, you're protected. And then after a while, a couple of people started, and they said, oh, well, that's just a breakthrough case. And then breakthrough cases became commonplace. Now, I would have to say, Three quarters of the people that I know who are vaccinated have all gotten COVID. Here I am, we're two and a half years into this, I am unvaccinated and I have never gotten COVID. Now that's not to say that unvaccinated people can't get COVID. I know that that can happen, I'm not saying that. But the whole notion that I have to get vaccinated to protect the kids that I'm teaching is insane. My getting vaccinated, if, if it works, which I'm saying it doesn't, but even if it did work, protects me and me alone. It doesn't protect other people. If I go to the beach and the sun is beaming down and I put on sunscreen, I put on sunscreen to protect myself. It doesn't protect the guy sitting 10 feet away from me. That's insane. People who believe, let me say this. If you believe that you have to get a vaccine to protect others around you, then you really don't believe in vaccines. The vaccine, if it worked, protects you and you alone. It doesn't protect the other people. And the whole notion that you know well if everybody gets vaccinated then we'll have herd immunity well you're supposed to have herd immunity after you know 70 percent like two out of every three or whatever it might be well we're way past that now and we keep hearing oh it's still a danger well then obviously we don't have herd immunity and then obviously the vaccine didn't work because the vast majority of people especially where we are in new york city i can't speak for you know ames iowa but the vast majority of people in New York City have gotten the vaccine. Where's the herd immunity? Why hasn't this gone away? If, if it works, well, guess what? It's because it doesn't work. Look at, look at all the politicians. President Biden, Vice President Kamala Harris, uh, the mayor of New York City, Eric Adams, Dr. Fauci, of all people, testify. So how all these people who are telling you to get the vaccine, they keep getting COVID. <laughs> so it doesn't work. And then they'll say, oh, well, at least, and they just keep moving, moving the goalposts. Well, yeah, you got it, but at least it won't be that bad. Well, it might be bad, but at least you won't go to the hospital. And then soon it'll be, well, you know, at least you'll have to go to the hospital, but you won't die. Like, they'll just keep moving it to the next one. And then the next time, I'm just going, well, you'll die, but you'll go to heaven. Like, that's going to be the next goalpost movement. So this is this has long been the argument for childhood vaccines, though, right? The herd immunity argument. Um, that you know, vaccines aren't perfect. There are still some people who won't respond to it fully. Um, you know, any vaccine, and so you have to have herd immunity in order to keep the whatever illness, whatever contagious illness it is, from circulating, so that you know those vulnerable people won't catch it. This is why they have childhood vaccination. Do you think? Do you think that if they came out with a new and improved? COVID vaccine, which they are promising to do in the fall, right? Um, <laughs> if they came out with a new and improved COVID vaccine uh, that did stop transmission, and they once again said, okay, we're, we can achieve herd immunity with this, so everyone 
has to take it. Do you think that their argument would be stronger, or do you think what what is what is your argument then in that situation? <laughs> My argument is why would you trust a bunch of pathological liars? Because then who's gonna well who would make that statement? The same people who told us for the last you know year and a half, two years that the vaccine's great. Oh, now we've got this new one. It's new and improved. Why would you trust them when they've been lying to you for the last two years? They've lied about everything. 20 years ago, they told us the air was safe to breathe at ground zero. How did that turn out? How many tens of thousands of people have died from that lie? So your skepticism about the public health authorities goes back farther than the pandemic. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, I don't trust anything they say. There's no reason to trust them. When they've lied to you about everything, whether it's, you know, I mean, you know, how far back do you want to go? You want to go back to the Tuskegee experiment? <laughs> you know, like, this has been going on forever. You know, I mean, if you want to go, not that it has necessarily anything to do with uh, public health, but, you know, Iraq has weapons of mass destruction. They lie about everything. So why on earth do you, do the people like, constantly trust pathological liars? They lie about everything. So I'm not going to trust them. Oh, don't worry about it. The vaccine will be safe. It'll be effective. It's not safe. It's not effective. The notion that we should just believe them and take it at face value is crazy to me. People have died from the vaccine, okay? And that's something that you will not hear on, you know, any kind of mainstream media. And and the side effects, you know, I just love the way they just throw it out there, like side effects is, you know, and some of the side effects are very serious. It's not even a side effects, it's a cause of, of the vaccine. You know, and they just throw out that word side effects like it's nothing. And some of them are very serious. So even if you don't die, there are people paralyzed. I'm sure even just a couple of days ago on Yahoo News, which is a mainstream source, they're reporting about um, women having issues with their with their periods, with, you know, excessive bleeding and things like that. And I've heard so many stories like that from women I know that, you know, I've heard stories of women who didn't get their period for four or five months. And these are all really bad things. I just don't understand how people at this point, here we are in July of 2022, and you still don't get it? You still trust these people? <laughs> it's insanity to me. Are you, the problems with the vaccine that you're talking about, are these things, you said a little bit about um, knowing some women who have had problems, are there other people that you've known personally that you have seen problems with? Uh, the problem is, they set it up really nice that how can you prove that it's from the vaccine, you know? And so I can say like, well, I know this person that got sick right after they, you know, uh, I know uh, a guy whose wife got vertigo three days after she got the vaccine. They, want, they got the vaccine because they were going on a cruise and then they got the vaccine and the third day of the cruise, she was experiencing vertigo. This was June of last year, and he said she hasn't been the same since. So it's things like that. Now, are you going to hear about any of this on the news? Are they going to? They, the powers that be, you got to hand it to them. They've done a great job of brainwashing the public. That they're very good at, and they're always good at it. It's mind-boggling to me that people can't see this, especially now. I mean, some people are waking up. I mean, I'll give you an example, like you know when they did the whole mask mandate you know you got to wear a mask to you know stay safe and that whole thing is complete nonsense but uh i went to 
a Rangers playoff game a couple months ago. And in Penn Station, there were signs all over saying, you know, you're required to wear a mask on the Long Island Railroad, etc. And here you are in Penn Station, tons of people. And I would say 90, 95% of people were not wearing a mask, despite the fact that there were signs all over the place. Mm-hmm. Well, those signs were around, you know, two years ago. We had the power back then. If people would have just said, no way, I'm not wearing this mask. I don't, I don't care what you tell me. And when people like Governor Cuomo, you know, shut down people's businesses and said, well, you've got to shut down your business. You're not essential. Every business is essential. It's essential to that small business owner, whether they own a restaurant or a bakery or whatever. They have to feed their family. And if, they, if everyone would have just united together and said, no, I'm not closing my business. I don't care what you say. What could they have done? Could they have closed down 10 million small businesses? No. They wouldn't have been able to do a damn thing. Why do you think that happened? Why do you think people responded the way they did? People comply. And the fear. And the fear. You know, there was the fear campaign that this, if you remember back in, let's say around March of 2020, they were talking millions, millions of Americans are going to die and millions around the world. Like the fear campaign. And I know people who are absolutely terrified. And even to this day, there are still some people who are like, they won't let you in their house. You could be friends with them for 30 years. And they're like, oh, no, you're not vaccinated. Oh, you can't come into my house. Like, I don't want to be near you. Friendships have broken up. This is whole divide and conquer thing. I mean, you know, I've lost friends over this. I know that my mom has lost friends over this. It's, it's a really bad situation. Fear is very powerful. Fear is very powerful. And people will comply they will do whatever you know they're told, and it's really a shame. I'm not one of them, <laughs> you know. It's just who I am. But you know, everybody's got their own, their own thing. But yeah, the fear is a is a big thing. It's propaganda works. What, what was your experience with COVID? You you never caught it yourself. Um, what did you see never. happening around you, either at your school or just with people you knew? What- well, so they shut down the schools on March 13th, 2020. So I didn't go back till September of 22. So a full year and a half, I wasn't in school. So I didn't see anything because I was working remotely that entire time from the middle of March of 2020 to June of 2021. So I didn't see anything in schools. Now, um, you know, I know people who got COVID and said like, oh, you know, it kicked my butt and, you know, whatever. And obviously you know they're still alive they all got better and uh you know my mom is in her 80s and last september she got you know she got pretty sick she had a you know run a fever and cough and all that other stuff and she went about her life didn't like change thing you know took tylenol or whatever went to see a doctor i think got like some a z-pack or whatever and then you know she got better in a few days and then went to the doctor they took a blood test and it came back positive for the antibodies for, for COVID. So apparently she must have had COVID. And now my, my mom's in her 80s. And she got through it. So this whole, oh my God, you're going to die. Because obviously she's in the highest risk group. And she beat it with nothing, with Tylenol. You know, now I'm not trying to say that, oh, nobody died. Because I know people did. But like, it has even come out, you know, uh, what's her name? Walensky, the CDC director, I think said back in January, actually gave us a grain of truth when she said that 75% of the people who died had four other comorbidities Mm -hmm. and they were already unwell. 
Well, yeah, that's true. The people who supposedly died from COVID did not die from COVID. They might have died with COVID. And that is a big difference. If I have a splinter on my finger and somebody shoots me, I didn't die. I died with a splinter, not from the splinter. And they, and you, you're kind of like laughing, but there were actually people in Colorado, this is the God's honest truth, who died from gunshot wounds. But because they had tested positive for COVID in the last 30 days of the life before they got shot, that counted as a COVID death. And this is the kind of manipulation that they've done with the numbers. Because what's the number now supposed to be about like a million people? It's not a million. You don't have a million people did not. When Walensky said it, and the CDC even admitted this in August of 2020, that they said that 94% of the people died with on average about three other comorbidities whether it be cancer, Alzheimer's, heart disease, whatever. So that number is nowhere near that million. It might be, you know, who knows, 10% of that. Now, of course, that's still bad if 100,000 people died. I get it, but it's not a million. The, the fear that people, you know, every time that, you know, they'd reach a milestone, it's 500,000, it's 600,000, and they kept drumming it into you, you know, and people like, 500,000 people, I'm like, no, that's a lie. It is an absolute lie. And isn't it interesting that we've had, what, now two winters? So let's call them two flu seasons have come and gone. And it's like nobody died from the flu. Well, isn't that strange? How is it that every year for the last, whatever, 100 years, there's always between, depending on the year, 25 to 60,000 people in this country die from the flu. But it's like almost nobody died from the flu in the last two years. Well, what does that say? I don't know. I'm just asking the question. But doesn't it seem like, hmm... It sounds to me like they just renamed the flu COVID-19 and that's what the people really died from. Just my opinion, I could be wrong. Okay, so I gotta ask, mm -hmm. you were teaching phys ed. Yes. You were out of school for a year and a half. How did that work? <laughs> <laughs> it was the biggest travesty, I'm not gonna lie, you know, because I'm teaching online and so for the 2020-21 school year. This is high school. High school phys ed, yep. and. So the first semester was pretty much doing like an online health. We would talk about, you know, nutrition and, you know, just basic health stuff. And then the second semester in the spring, we covered, you know, a lot of different sports, whether it be, you know, volleyball or basketball or whatever. And it was basically, you know, kids watching YouTube videos about the sports, whether it be skill, skills of the sport or the history of the sport, whatever it might be. And the kids would have to answer the questions. And that's how they got their credit. So they weren't really doing any phys ed. And the other thing was because when I was teaching online, you're doing the whole Google Classrooms or the Zoom thing, I was on camera, but the students were not. They didn't. They could choose to be on camera or off camera, so they all chose not to be on camera. So I have no idea if they're even there, all right? Because they're not on camera, they could have just turned the camera on and went and had breakfast and go watch TV. I don't know, really know if they're there. Like you can ask questions and stuff, but you know, you have in a phys ed class, you know, 50 kids in a class. So you really weren't sure if they were even there. Were they, were they required uh, officially to come to class? To go? Yeah, so that's yeah. how they would get their attendance. But, so they would have to log in, but then they could leave and you wouldn't know it. You that's my know. point. Like, yeah. so yes, you would know that they had logged in and you had to do their attendance daily. So, you know, some kids would have great attendance, 100%. Some kids would 
20%. Some kids never showed. And, you know, but it was a joke. Online Zoom meeting was, was terrible for the kids. Did and you, plus they missed the whole social aspect. You know. Yeah. Did, did you give them any uh, exercises to do? Or I did, but, assignments but again, like you have no idea if they're doing it. And, and I'll <laughs> say 99.9% .9 chance they didn't. Right. <laughs> you know, I mean, I probably wouldn't if I was a high school kid. Um, you were also coaching. Yep, I was coaching. I was coaching window. three sports. Yeah, and uh, obviously, you know, when I lost my teaching job, I also lost the three coaching positions. So what happened was, when sports returned, so they closed down from March of 2020 till about March or April of 2021. They decided to bring back PSAL sports, and uh, I was, you know, I applied for and I got the girls' handball job. What is PSAL? Uh, the Public Schools Athletic League. And so this really happened. Um, I, I got the job, which I'm you know, very qualified for. And it wasn't until after I was officially named the coach, and then like a couple of weeks later, we had a coaches meeting for all the spring sport coaches. And during that meeting was when I was informed that all players and coaches must submit to a COVID test. <laughs> and I was like, oh, heck no. <laughs> There's no way I'm getting that. You know, if you look and do some research, you see that those swabs are, you know, are uh, sterilized with uh, ethylene oxide, which is a known carcinogen. I said, I'm not getting that thing rammed up my nose. So I, I wrote a letter to an email to my uh, principal and, you know, the athletic director and said, uh, no, I do not feel safe getting that. And... It took them a while, so I coached the team from, let's say, the middle of April till the end of May, and then with two weeks left in the season on June 1st, I got a termination letter saying that I was fired from that job for failure to comply again with, <laughs> again, an experimental thing getting rammed up my nose. So so be it. I, I stick by my guns. I stick by my principles. And then uh, some other coach had to fill in for the remainder of the last two weeks of the season. I think a lot of people took those tests without thinking about it too much. You know, right. Okay, sure, it's a cotton swab. Um, right. Stick up my nose, whatever. Um, what, like, why were you more careful? <laughs> <laughs> because I think you can tell I do, I do a little bit of research. Yeah. Actually, I do a lot of research. And um, I was seeing that as like, no, it's just another way to control you. It was like, I looked at that as like tyranny light. You know, this whole thing has been tyrannical. And that was like, Okay, well, you know, I'm not going to get the vaccine, but all right, I'll just get the, the test or all right, I'll just wear a mask. Those were like the lighter side of this whole tyrannical agenda. Mm -hmm. And I'm saying to myself, like, no, I'm not going to have any of it. I'm not, I'm not submitting to any of it. I'm not wearing a mask. I'm not, uh, I'm not getting a COVID test. I'm not doing any of it. When I would go into, you know, during the height of this thing to supermarkets or CVS or whatever, I didn't care. I just walked in without a mask. I would never wear them. I just wouldn't do it. And I would not go on a plane or anything because I knew that, you know, I would, they wouldn't let me on a plane with a mask. Um, and I just made my first plane trip a week ago because they removed the mask mandates. Um, but, yeah, I wasn't going to have any of it, you know. I went about my life pretty much the way I've always done, you know, and I wasn't going to let some store manager tell me I have to wear a mask in a supermarket. And when they would, if they would confront me, I would say things like, I have a medical condition, which is true. 
but <laughs> truth is, I wouldn't have worn the mask anyway. And uh, and then they would say like, "Oh, you have to wear them. It's our policy." And I'm like, "Really? It's your policy?" I said, "Are you a medical doctor?" I said, "Well, a surgical mask is a medical device, and you cannot require me. You're not a medical doctor. You cannot require me to wear a medical device." I would say things like that. I I would say things. One time, I told a store manager, I said, "I'll make a deal with you. You know." Practicing medicine without a license is a felony. And I said, if you just let me go about my business and shop, I won't report you to the Department of Justice. And he didn't know what to say, and he just walked away. Did you did you ever get flack from people, though? Because, I, okay, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. And, you know, the looks you'd get, like, um, one person report I was at a stop and shop again this was probably around April of 2020 when this whole thing first started and they reported me and um, so the store manager came over with this person and as soon as they did I took out my cell phone and started filming them all right and he said like you know sir you have to wear a mask when you're in here and I started with the whole thing about that I said look I have a medical condition you want to see my doctor's note? I brought the doctor's note with me because I actually had it. I said, oh, you have a medical condition? Yes. Uh, okay, okay, have a nice day. And he turned around and walked away. I stood my ground. And that's the problem. People did not stand their ground. They should have fought for this. This is your life. This is your freedom at stake. Well, I think I think a lot of people, and I think if, uh, there are a lot of people who would listen to what you just said, and they would say, well, Masks were not such a big deal, especially in the beginning. It was really, uh, it could be really serious for some people. It was really contagious, and it was just like a little something you could do to, out of consideration for other people. To, and that's the excuse to, to protect the vulnerable, right? But but why? And and people, there were a lot of people who were really upset with people who took your position and felt that you were oh, I was definitely in the minority. Oh yeah. Um, so well, I mean, what do you think about that though? Okay, so basically, I should give up my individual rights for the greater good. Well, their argument would be um, that people who are more vulnerable also have a right to go grocery shopping or whatever and be kept safe. From so stay away from me. See, that's the whole thing. The people who would say things like that, you know, you're not wearing it. They really weren't upset about their safety. They were upset because I wasn't complying. That's really what it was about, you know. And first off, did you know if you actually do some research, you can go on the CDC website. And they did 10 randomized control trials from 1946 to 2018 about the effectiveness on masks and preventing influenza virus. And you know what they found? There was no significant difference. Now. You're only going to know that if you do the research. So when the CDC and people like Dr. Fauci say, you've got to trust the science, they don't trust their own science because their own science on the CDC website. Randomized control trials are science. That's real science. Making a statement, trust the science, is not science. That's just making a statement. But RCTs are actual science. And the actual science says it doesn't protect you from influenza. That surgical masks do not do that. Now, if anybody is stupid enough and say, well, that's influenza. The coronavirus, you know, COVID-19 is much worse. Well, if it didn't protect you from influenza, which isn't as bad, well, then how the hell is it going to protect you from COVID, which is much worse? All right? So all the people who did this whole virtual, um, virtual signaling, <laughs> sorry, 
I'm not, I'm not having it. I'm not having it. The whole thing, well, you got to do it for the benefit of society and stuff like that. That's nonsense. It's no different than, you know, if I wear a seatbelt, I'm not protecting the guy I crash into. <laughs> you know, if we, if we get into a car accident and I'm not wearing a seatbelt, I'm the one that's going to get hurt. All right? Not the person, you know. So this whole thing like, oh, wearing a mask to protect them, that's just nonsense. Where do you, uh, like, where do you draw an acceptable line um, for having rules for public safety? Like, you probably would be okay with uh, traffic lights, right? Like, <laughs> you're not, you're not suggesting it should be of, like a free-for-all. Of course. But like, but where, see, but where, see, that's what I laugh, I laugh at when people make analogies yeah. like that. Say, you know, Ar like Arnold Schwarzenegger, what, about a year ago? He made the famous screw your freedoms, screw your freedoms statement, all right? And he used that analogy. It's like when you have to stop at a red light. No, it's not. Having something injected into your bloodstream that is with you 24 hours a day, seven days a week for the rest of your life is not the same as th when people make ridiculous analogies. I'll give you an analogy that is more accurate toward the vaccine, all right? What if, so now, the precedent has been set that they can make you get something injected into your bloodstream, okay, to keep your job, to participate in society. Where does it end? What's to stop them from, who, who's to say two years from now, five years from now? They say, you know what? The population of the world is way too big. It, the earth can't can, uh, sustain this anymore. So, all men are going to have to get a vasectomy and all women are going to have to have the tubes tied. Whoa, no, no, no. What do you mean, no? You consented to the vaccine because that's a medical procedure. Getting a vaccine is a medical thing. So don't, my analogy about that, or, or, the, or they could say like, oh, we're going to give a vaccine that will make you sterile. That is a fair analogy. It's not, the whole traffic light thing or, you know, like, you know, it's not an equal analogy. It's, well, you could, you could say there's kind of a continuum from like, traffic lights to force sterilization right yeah and along the way you have like okay you've got the uh traffic lights and then you've got seat belts and then you've got masks and then you've got and it gets more and more well, like, uh, okay like intrusive but like where, where do you think the appropriate place on that kind of continuum for for government to have an influence is like where do you draw that line i well i think that a human being should make a decision that is best for themselves all right now that does not mean I can drive through a traffic light because, yes, I can, I can potentially kill someone, right, and myself included, all right? And it's the same thing with drinking and driving, okay? No, I don't think you should be allowed to be drunk and driving because you, not only can you kill yourself, you can kill someone else with you. So I'm not ridiculous. Common sense has left <laughs> this earth or this country at least in the last couple of years you can have common sense and still be you know considerate of other people and the, but the whole notion like going, getting back to the mask no that's not being considerate telling me I have to put to cover up my breathing how do you think that that's healthy wearing a mask is not healthy at all and the proof of that is that over the last, whatever, 10, 15 years, how many viruses have we had? H1N1, Ebola, I mean, we can go through the list. How come nobody wore masks then? You know why? 
because no one told them to. It's that simple. No one told anyone to wear a mask. That's why nobody wore them. So these people are just complaining. It's like, for all these people who've been wearing a mask during the last, whatever, two years because of COVID, well, then why didn't you wear a mask during H1N1, during Ebola, during all, all these other things? Because nobody told you to. That's why. All these people are claiming, oh, you got to wear a mask. Wearing a mask, how, does, how is that a healthy thing to do? It, and again, going back to the CDC, you can go on the CDC website, on OSHA, um, and they tell you the reason for a surgical mask, why surgeons wear it. That's why it's called a surgical mask, all right, is because when a surgeon is performing surgery and he might have a little droplet coming out of his nose or mucus by his mouth so that it doesn't drop into the open wound of the patient. That's why they exist. That's why surgeons wear them. They were never, ever, not then, not now, surgical masks were never designed to prevent a virus. A virus that you would need like an electron microscope to see. It's that small. So anyone thinks like that stupid thing. Are you kidding me? You're like a virus can't get through there? Give me a break. But oh, you should restrict your breathing though. If you look at all the things that the government told us to do two years ago and over, you know, continues to do really, none of them make sense. They violate everything that we've been taught throughout our life. How do you prevent a virus? How do you keep healthy? Okay, well, look at where we are right now. We're out in the fresh air, sunshine, all right? Fresh air, sunshine. Oh, get some vitamin D, you know? Uh, interact with other people, socialize. It's okay to expose yourself to germs. It's good for your immune system, you know? Um, just, you know, eat the right foods. Get a good night's sleep, you know? And they told us to do basically the exact opposite of everything we've been taught our whole lives. Should we socialize? No, stay away from people. Go outside and get fresh air. No, don't do that. Stay indoors. Don't visit your elderly parents. Don't, are you kidding me? I visited my elderly parents every single day. Every day. You know, this whole nonsense. Oh, you got to stay away from your elderly parents. This is, it was insanity. And people fell for it. People complied. Why? I still don't get it. And if you can't figure it out by now, after two and a half years of lies, then I really don't know what to say. Cognitive dissonance is strong in a lot of people. What did you see in terms of health? I, I mean, okay, you're a phys ed teacher. You're kind of, you're not their doctor, but you're kind of aware of the health of your students, maybe more than some other teachers are, the physical fitness and that kind of thing. Um, I know that you weren't in contact with your students during the pandemic. You weren't even seeing them on screen, you're saying a lot of the time. But did you have a sense of how your students' general health um, was affected over the course of the pandemic? Did, did you have a sense of how, how the pandemic affected your Sometimes students? the students would, you know, share on screen when I was doing the online teaching that, you know, oh, my mom is sick, she got COVID, my aunt is sick or whatever like that. I would hear stories like that, you know, but I didn't really hear from the students. And then, you know, some of the students would start to, when the vaccine became available because I think it was when was it authorized in December of 2020 and then that following semester during you know spring of 2021 some students say yeah I have my appointment to go get vaccinated and stuff and you know of course I couldn't say anything it would upset me terribly though to see you know these 14 15 16 17 year old kids getting it and then you know when I found out my for the brief time that I coached the, the handball team. And, you know, again, these girls are like 16, 17 years old, 15 years old, whatever. 
oh yeah, I'm going to go get my vaccine. And two of my girls who got the vaccine couldn't make practice the next day because they weren't feeling well. And you say, oh, well, that's just a minor thing. And yeah, okay, it's a minor thing. But yeah, they had an, a reaction to it, you know. So, you know, I just don't know what to say. I can't really speak to the health of people because y- when you're not with the students, yeah. you know, mm-hmm. and I wasn't with them during that time. Mm-hmm. How, how did you go into that? How did you become a phys ed teacher? <laughs> well, that's a, that's a long story. Uh, I'll try to be real brief. Um I had a job working with kids in the 80s, said, hey, this is good to work with kids. So I went for my master's degree in elementary education, and I got a job as a phys ed teacher in a Catholic school, did that for a year, and then, or actually for for like four years, I went for my master's in elementary ed, got my degree in elementary ed, got a classroom position teaching fifth grade one year, sixth grade two years, and I was miserable teaching in the classroom. So I went back and got my master's in physical education, and then long story short, wound up getting a the job with the DOE and did that for 23 years and eight months until I was canned. So you must have liked it. You stuck with it for quite a while. <laughs> yeah. My first teaching job was 1988. So, uh, yeah, tough for whatever, to- total of about, I don't know, 33 years or whatever it was. What, what did you like about it? The interaction with the kids and knowing you made a difference because I'll still, you know, to this day, I'll still run into students that'll see me and you know, and they're like happy to see me or, you know, and then they'll say like, oh my God, I remember your class. I remember the flag game. It was so much fun. Hey, you still playing ultimate Frisbee? You know, I had so much fun in that class and stuff like that. And one student I ran into back uh, a couple months ago, my dad passed away. And on the night of his wake, my mom and I went to Carvel and a student who I taught who graduated in 2001 approached me and he remembered me and he said that uh, I remember your self-defense class. And I'm like, self-defense? I said, yeah. I did. I said, when did you graduate? I said, because I started, you know, in 1998. And I said, I only taught that class for like three or four years. And he said, yeah, I graduated in 2001. He goes, I said, wow. He goes, that was a great class. So it's things like that, you know, and knowing you made a difference. And, you know, I still keep in touch with some of my former students, you know, mm-hmm. knowing that you made a difference in their lives. That's what it's about. Okay, so when you got the termination, mm-hmm. um, tell me about the practical stuff. Like, what did you lose in financial, practical terms? Okay, yeah, so because I've been teaching so long, I was at top salary, which was close to, you know, this year, close to 129000 And I uh, had three coaching jobs that each paid over 5000 apiece. So I lost $144,000 in salary this past year, and, you know, when I would have taught next year because I wasn't planning on retiring for another year plus all the money that is no longer going into my TDA because I had you know 25% of my salary was going toward my TDA or whatever that's your retirement uh, yes tax deferred annuity and going toward my retirement and uh, yeah so I lost all that and it, it hasn't been easy it hasn't been easy because you know you have to basically live off your savings or whatever you had in investments and stuff like that um you know, and I'm part, and I shelled out a couple of thousand dollars in lawyers for the lawsuits that were involved in, and and even though it's not going well at this point, I really believe in the end we're going to win. But unfortunately, our justice system, you know, takes a long time, and you know we might, it might take years. And I'm not going to lie, I want the whole kit and caboodle. I want back pay. I want punitive damages. You know, 
with everything. And again, I don't want to make it about me because it's me and, you know, thousands of other teachers or city workers, whether they be police officers or firefighters. Or so it's not just about me. There are thousands of people who are in the same boat I am. I'm in a bad way, but, and there are people who have it worse than I do, you know, mm-hmm. who, you know, who are not as old as I am, who have not reached retirement age. You know, a very good friend of mine is at that point where he's, you know, he just turned 53 and, uh, and he will not get the vaccine under any circumstances, but you know, he's got the years in, but he doesn't have the, you know, he's supposed to be 55 to retire and it's really hurt him. So there are people who are worse off than me. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You're, you're not a plaintiff, right? You're contributing uh, to the lawsuits, but you're not a named. Right. I'm not yeah. a named plaintiff yeah. because on the lawsuits that are involved, they only had like five named plaintiffs or seven or whatever it mm-hmm. might be. Uh, I'm not one of the named plaintiffs, but I did along with a lot of other people put in you know, thousands of dollars toward, you know, lawyers don't work for free. And, uh, right. you know. You also lost your medical insurance. Yes. Oh, that was a big, I'm glad you brought that up. So when we were on leave without pay, which started October 4th, um, that carried over till February 11th when I was terminated. On February 11th, I also lost my health insurance. So that's the difference between leave without pay and being terminated. Mm-hmm. That's major difference I guess and so yeah I held held the insurance for another few months and then I went like a week or so without any insurance and then I had to uh, file with New York State and Medicaid to get insurance to uh, you know because I can't live without insurance Uh, so yeah it's it's a bad situation and the other thing is the people who signed on I refused to sign anything but there were other people who signed the leave without pay option because it continues their health insurance mm-hmm. till September 6th of this year. Now, what's going to happen? Those people, unless they get vaccinated by September 6th, they're going to get fired too. So right now, the last number I heard, I think there were like 965 teachers that were fired. But that's not counting the people who were on leave without pay who signed the agreement. Because come September 7th, boom, they're gone too. And that's going to be maybe, I don't, I really don't know the number, but probably a couple of thousand. So it's going to increase. So when we hear the number, it's going to get worse in a couple of months. Because mm-hmm. I didn't sign the leave without pay option. You didn't want to accept its terms. I didn't accept its terms because the terms included that, you know, you, uh, you waive your right to sue and things like that. And I just wouldn't do that. Right. But I know a lot of people did. They signed because they're like, I have to have health insurance. You know, depending on their personal situation. I don't begrudge them. They, they made the decision that was best for them. And in terms of your retirement, you're so, kind of on the cusp of, yeah, I have, the cusp I have, of that. So what, what's the status there? I haven't put in my retirement papers because I was told by our lawyers that, you know, if I put in the papers that when we win, it might be hard to collect because they're going to say, well, you retired. You voluntarily retired. Because what I'm saying is like, so at this point, I've now gone a full school year. Well, full school year minus a month because I didn't teach in September because um, in September you didn't have to be vaccinated you had to be vaccinated by the end oh and while they were uh, so called requiring that you had to wear a mask I got an exemption from wearing a mask because of my <laughs> my medical condition so that they exempted me from hmm. and um, they accommodated me by I had to wear a face shield which was hilarious 
Yeah, I look like one of the stupid welders with the clear plastic. Right. It was a joke. <laughs> so for whatever, for three weeks in September, I wore that stupid face shield. But anyway, uh, yeah, so I am kind of in limbo right now. I have not put in retirement pay, but I might have to soon, you know, if I run out of, if I run out of money to live on. It's, it hasn't been easy. You can't collect unemployment. Oh, that was, the, yeah, so that was the other thing. When this whole thing went down last fall, they said, like, you cannot collect unemployment. Now, I know some people have tried to. I'm not, again, begrudging them. They did, you know, uh, I don't know. I guess some people have been able to. Some people have not. I never even bothered to try because I just said, no, I'm just going to, uh, I'm just going to live my life. And, you know, um, I, I heard some n- nightmare stories with some people who got unemployment and then they wanted it back. Because they found out that, you know, you were terminated by, you know, not getting the vaccine and stuff like that. So I just said, you know what, I'm not even going to deal with the aggravation. Wow. Um, and what about your options for working? You're, right now you're... See, that's the problem. Bit, is that, well, that's <laughs> the problem is because since I have been terminated, wrongfully I might add, uh, I'll get back to that in a minute. You know, I think it might be hard for me to get a job somewhere else. I know, not myself, but I know people who have looked for it, and they have this problem code on their website or whatever that's saying, oh, this person got a problem code. Oh, they were terminated. Oh, why were they terminated? Oh, well, they refused to get the vaccine. So not myself, but I know of people who have that problem code, and, you know, they're trying to get jobs in Westchester or Long Island or wherever, and they're not able to because they've got this problem code on the thing. I haven't personally tried. Um, getting back to why I say I was wrongfully terminated because let's face it first off none of this is constitutional none of this was collectively bargained I didn't violate the contract where is it in the contract that you have to have this it's not in the contract that say it was you know so I was fired along with 964 other teachers without due process I had no charges brought against me I never had a 3020A hearing this just went, boom, you're fired, just like that. <laughs> so it used to be almost impossible to fire a tenured teacher in New York State. And they just did this in one fell swoop. They just fired, you know, hundreds of us without any due process whatsoever. So, you know, where's that going? And, and again, where was our union? Our union put out a questionnaire, which I answered saying, yeah, I want my 3028 hearing. And nothing has happened since as a result of that. You know, there has been nothing that has come of it since. Um, just to explain to people what a 3020A hearing is, that is a hearing that you're entitled to if you are terminated. Right. If, if, if they're teacher. going to terminate you, you're entitled to, you know, it's due process. Like, you get to have your side of the story. You know, you get to have a lawyer present, and again, they just none of this happened. They, it's amazing the bizarre world that we're living in. You know that all of this tyrannical nonsense is going on, and 
to this point, nothing's being done. Now, again, I said, I'm hopeful. I think this is going to turn around, but I just have to be patient. It might take months. It might take years. I have to see what happens. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Did you see a big division of opinion um, at your school, like among the among uh, your colleagues? Ta- and- about vaccination and that kind of thing? Um, yeah. It was... Uh, <laughs> Let's put it this way. I was definitely in the minority. Definitely in the minority. And, you know, I can remember writing an email to our chapter leader about the whole mask thing. All the stuff that I was telling you before about, you know, how the masks don't work and things like that. And saying, like, we should be fighting for this. That we shouldn't have to wear a mask. And she emailed me back, like, oh, no, I'm not going down that road. No, we have to wear a mask. We have to be safe. And we have to... I'm like... I just gave you the science. I just gave you the link, quoted word for word what it says. Not only from the CDC, from CDC, from OSHA, from the New England Journal of Medicine. Like, I had, you know, fairly mainstream government sources. And, again, it was the the narrative, the Dr. Fauci narrative was being regurgitated back to me. Oh, no, trust the science. we got to trust the science. <laughs> and, the, and you weren't trusting the science at all. Because the science is the best don't work. So... I was definitely in the minority. I didn't even want the schools closed to begin with. When this whole thing, when the, you know, poop hit the fan back in March 2020, I was fearless. I was like, keep the schools. You know, some of my coworkers, we got to close the schools. I'm like, why? And I'm like, here we go again. It's H1N1. It's, you know, whatever. So we never close the schools then. Oh, this is, this is so much worse. And I just see this whole thing is just the whole, it's, it's a big scam. You know, I mean, the whole thing, if you do the research, I mean, you've got Dr. Fauci on film in the fall of 2019 basically saying that people aren't afraid of the word flu and we need to like rebrand this, rename this. So, in you know, 2019. in 2019, the fall 2019. That was before. Before, was yeah, March of 2020. March 11, 2020 was the day that it was declared a pandemic. Right. And, uh, and also, October 18, 2019, if you know, if you do the research, just research uh, Event 201, co-sponsored by uh, Johns Hopkins University, the World Economic Forum, and the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation. They did a coronavirus pandemic simulation in New York City. It was called Event 201. Just research it. You know, I'm not making this stuff up. And if you think I am, that's fine. Don't take my word for it. Go research it yourself. I always tell people, it's all right. You don't have to listen to me. But at least research it yourself. Don't just dismiss what I say is wrong. Go find out for yourself. Research yourself. Okay, so let me me make what I think is the opposing argument there. Um, There are people who would uh, look at that and say, but of course, there are public health authorities, global organizations, you know, international organizations that are trying to safeguard the public health. And of course they get together and they have conferences to discuss what we need to do in the event of a terrible pandemic because such things can happen. Yeah, happen amazing time timing, time. isn't it? And, uh, you know, the, the a lot of people would say, why, why are you suggesting all of these uh, public health officials have some nefarious ul- ulterior motive? They're just doing their best. They're just doing their best. You mean like uh, back yeah. in, I think it was 2010, when Bill Gates said that, you know, we could 
the population of the earth at that time was like 6.8 billion and it's headed toward 9 billion and this is a major problem and we can reduce the population of the world through uh through new vaccines he actually said it at a ted talk oh so wait am i paying attention to what they're saying or are you just a coincidence theorist? Another, another interpretation of that would be that uh, when people become healthier, when societies become uh, wealthier and healthier, they tend to have fewer children just as a... Oh, Bill organic. Gates said that. I did a video on that. Uh-huh. That makes absolutely no, no sense to me. So, so you got young, healthy, married people who... Saying, you know what? We're really healthy. This is great. We're in our 20s or 30s and we're young and healthy. I have a great idea. Let's n- not have children. Let's not raise a family. Wait, wait, what? That, ma- <laughs> that makes no sense. If you were unhealthy, maybe you wouldn't want to have a family. Whatever. To, me, to me, that is just complete brainwashing. Why do you believe that the healthier you are, the less kids you would want to have? That makes no sense to me. Well, I think and they, you can have a different opinion. That's I think, fine. I think they look at like um, you know the developing world, and they look at uh, you know what we call first developed countries, first world countries like the United States, Europe, and they say, well, the, you know, these are places with lower birth rates. The, the the richer countries have lower birth rates. When countries become richer, their birth rates drop. That's just what happens. You know, for whatever reason. And again, that is an opinion. And I'm not saying, all right, I'm not even saying if it's right or wrong. Research it. But anything that comes out of Bill Gates' mouth, I'm not, (laughs) I mean, you know, he he actually used the term final solution. Do you remember that? He was on the Stephen Stephen Colbert show. And he said that the final solution would be the vaccine. Hmm, where have I heard that term before? Oh, God, seems to me the final solution. I heard that term somewhere before. I think it was from Nazi Germany in the 1940s somewhere. Anyway, um, but he also said on, it was one of the mainstream medias, might have been NBC or CNBC or whatever, where he was talking about that he invested $10 billion in vaccines. He goes, and it was one of the smartest investments I ever made because I got back, you know, 20 times that investment. Hmm, that means $200 billion? Yeah, he cares so much about health. It has nothing to do with money. Just like what? How much money did Pfizer make last year? $81 billion or some crazy number. It's like four times the annual budget of NASA. Okay? You think, do you really think that the CEO of Pfizer lays awake at night thinking about how he can help people, how he can save their lives? Or you think maybe that $80 billion had something to do with it? Come on. You know, it's, money is almost... Um, just a fringe benefit. It's more about the power and control. And oh, by the way, yeah, we're going to make tens of billions or hundreds of billions of dollars. That's like a nice little fringe benefit of this whole thing. You know, but it goes so far beyond that. It's like, if you can't see the power and control that's going on by the people in charge, you know, whether they be the politicians or the people who are higher up than the politicians, then I don't know you know, what you're looking at, or you're just not paying attention, you know? There's that old expression, you know, if you're not outraged, you're not paying attention. Okay, so what do you see happening? Where do we go from here? Where do we go from here? That's the big question. I see it as we are at a crossroads, and it could go one way or the other. People have to stop complying. People have to fight back and say, no, we're not doing this anymore, you know? Because they can just, you know, tomorrow afternoon, they can say, oh, another wave is hit. We got to shut down the businesses and we got to wear masks and we got to. And if people just say, no, 
We just went through hell for the last two years. We're not, we don't care what you say. We're not going to comply. Stop complying. Stop listening to people who don't give a damn about you. You know, George Carlin famously said years ago, you know, they don't give an F about you, you know, and it's true. You know, stop listening to people. Start doing your own research. Start making your own decisions. Stop listening to people who, who want you sick and want you dead because that's where we're going. Are you optimistic about that in New York? <laughs> we in do New, have, like you said yourself, we have a very high vaccination rate. I think yeah. most of that was voluntarily. It, 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 there are, you know, you were saying that there are a lot of people who took it to keep their jobs. Right. I mean, I think I think the majority of people got the vaccine because they believed what they were being told. They were scared. and Oh, my God, I got to rush out and get the vaccine. And then, of course, you had the other a pretty significant percentage of people who got it because they were coerced into doing it. Violation of the Nuremberg Code, by the way. Look into that. Um, and yeah, especially in a, a state like New York, a city like New York, it's really tough. You know, you go to other places and it's not that bad, you know. Um, but I think even New Yorkers are starting to wake up, you know. Uh, we've always been, you know, a very, whatever, if you want to use the word liberal or democratic state, city, whatever. I'm not politically motivated one way or the other. I'm not a Democrat. I'm not a Republican. So it has, I just look at every situation individually and say like, you know, okay, here's what's going on. Here's what I see. And it has nothing to do with being involved with one political party or the other. Mm -hmm. You know, people have told me, well, you're kind of a libertarian. I'm like, all right, label me however you want. I don't really care. I'm not into labels, you know, but, uh, yeah, am I hopeful? I do have some bit of hope. Otherwise, you know, what's the point? <laughs> you know, like, so, yeah, but I, I like to fight the good fight, you know. I might lose, but I'm not going down without a fight. That's for darn sure. I mean, some people are leaving. I've talked to people who are, have left the state. Yeah, a lot of New Yorkers have left, you yeah. know. And what does that say about the leadership of New York? Whether it was Cuomo or Hochul, whether it was de Blasio or Adams, does it really matter, you know? You know, a lot of people were celebrating when Cuomo, you know, got bounced because of his, you know, whatever, sexual uh, harassment allegations or whatever. But look what replaced it. <laughs> we got the Wicked Witch up in Albany. I mean, come on. You know, and then when de Blasio left office, well, look what replaced him. Any, is, is Eric Adams any better than de Blasio? Does it really matter? You know, it's like the song by The Who, Won't Get Fooled Again. Meet the new boss, same as the old boss. <laughs> you know, I mean, you know, and, you know, people talk about impeaching Joe Biden. Okay, so let's impeach Joe Biden to get what? President Kamala Harris? Like, that's going to be any better? <laughs> Does it really matter? You know, people have to just stand up to the tyranny and say, I don't care what laws they're going to make, what mandates they're going to put forth. I'm not paying attention. You know, I'm not going to, I'm not going to comply. That's what people need to do. So you were in, for a couple decades, in a public school. Um, public school is where you learn about civics and government and how to... Oh, uh, let me tell you, it's really to, tough. Uh, okay. Stand up for your rights and the so, way that you're talking about... So here's the thing. I was part of a system which, you know, I have to admit... I'm not really proud of 
the fact that, you know, looking back now, I see that public schools are like an indoctrination camp. Now, I guess in my field, I could justify it by saying, look, I'm teaching physical education. I'm teaching kids how to exercise and have fun with sports. And, you know, we're playing volleyball and we're playing ultimate frisbee. And like, so my conscience was clear in that respect. But if I had to teach in a classroom and go by their curriculum, oh my God, forget it. There's, I would have been fired after the first day because I couldn't teach the nonsense, the crap that's in those textbooks. Like what? Like, we, we used to call it communist core learning standards when they came up with Common Core, mm. you know? And what on, year was that? When, when did they come Oh, Common God, core? that was, I don't know, 2013, 14, somewhere in there. Mm-hmm. And... Uh, when I would have to proctor Regents exams, you know, you'd have time to kind of thumb through the books. And when I would read the n- nonsensical history books, what they put in about, you know, 9-11. The 9-11 story is complete fiction. The story that we were told is complete fiction. The official story. And I'm like, and kids are being taught this. This is nonsense. We don't teach students how to think critically. We teach kids how to read and regurgitate what they read and memorize what they read. We don't teach them to challenge what they've read or, you know, because there is a curriculum that says, here, these are the facts. Don't question it. Just repeat it back to me. Here are the facts and read it back to me. Don't question what you will learn. Don't question anything about, you know, your government or your media. Just this is what it is and that's it. Did you always feel that way from the beginning or did you see things change? Well, you're saying from the beginning of the Common Core you started to see things like that. Yeah, I mean... How far did as, it go back? Did you see an evolution? Yeah, yeah. I mean, over the years I've gotten to see more and more and to question things more and more. Like, I've always questioned things, but especially over the last 20 years, you know, and you just see things that don't make any sense whatsoever. And then... I love people who are now homeschooling their children. I think that's probably the way to go if you could do it. I don't think it's I don't think it's an easy thing to do. It's it's easier to send your kids off to, you know, unfortunately, 12 years of, of public school. You know, I went to Catholic schools for 16 years, so I never got that. But, you know, all schools, you know, even the schools that I went to, you know, had their agenda or whatever, you know. But uh but now I see it more and more, you know. I just see what's going on. I, you know, now we have drag queen story hours. What? Why are we subjecting little children to this so-called woke agenda? It's terrible. I think it's awful. And I think parents should have the say. Parents should have the say in what goes into, you know, the curriculum, what their kids are being taught. But to have it forced on them? I think parents are going to start removing their kids from schools. I think you're going to see more and more homeschooling as, as time goes on. Because I think parents have had it with this whole agenda that's going on. There, there has been a lot of reporting recently about the enrollment numbers dropping mm-hmm. in New York public schools. I see they're, it, yeah. They're losing tens of thousands of students. I think that's a good thing. I think that's parents saying we've had enough. You know? And... Why do we need to teach children, you know, little children, in elementary school, about, you know, sexual issues and sexual identity? That's for the parents to do. 
that shouldn't be taught to little kids. You know, now maybe when they get to high school and stuff, um, you know, but not, you know, first, second, third, what are we doing? This is so wrong. And again, it's my opinion. People can have different opinions, but, uh, you know, I don't have to approve of it. I can say like, no, I'm entitled to my opinion and like parents should be able to raise their kids and teach kids about such sensitive issues as that, my opinion. So you were in a pretty large school, so I'm guessing you weren't the only phys ed teacher. There's probably someone left there. When you when you left the school, that wasn't the end of phys ed at your school. What do you mean? I'm saying there, there were other phys ed teachers at your school. Yeah, we had a large department. We had yeah. about a dozen phys ed teachers. Right. So they weren't. So losing you as a teacher, it did not mean it wasn't like oh, a small it didn't, school. Where it didn't it collapse. The department. Yeah, yeah. and and then you just yeah. get somebody to replace me anyway. Yeah. You know, so that wasn't really a big issue for uh, for the schools. Like you know, unfortunately, we're replaceable. You know, they just got somebody to replace me. Right. Did did your specific area of teaching change over the period of time? when you were teaching though? Oh, yes. Okay. So <laughs> to me, phys ed, there's a reason why it's called physical education because students should be physically active. We would have, as you're talking about over time, this wasn't around when I first started teaching. A few years back, it was decided we should have one day a week where the kids are doing literacy. We have to incorporate literacy in all the subject areas. We had Literacy Friday, which then became Literacy Wednesday. And you have kids. Try to picture this. You'd have two classes, you know, each of 50 kids. So that's 100 kids sitting on it on a gymnasium floor. No, no chairs, no desks. And they're reading an article. And they're, you know, slouching over to write the answers to do literacy like one day a week. Does that make any sense to you? Made no sense to me. Made no sense to anyone in the physical education department. But it made perfect sense to uh, to the administration, which <laughs> literacy. What? Come on, this is a phys ed class. They're supposed to be exercising. Why do we have the kids doing this? This is crazy to me. So that was definitely one of the big things that we have to incorporate literacy across all all the uh, subject areas. I'm like, yeah, but not phys ed. <laughs> like, can we let's can we leave out phys ed, music, and art? And if you want to have literacy, even maybe in math and social studies and science, okay. But there's those few classes that kids just need to, you know, just let them have the fun. You know, phys ed, art, music is supposed to be the fun classes, right? You know, especially for me because I'm, you know, I'm just a phys ed guy. You know, I'm, I'm, I love sports. I'm in my late 50s. I'm still playing ice hockey, okay? So, yeah, can we just let the kids have some fun? Instead, we got them sitting on a floor, like reading an article. Oh, come on! Just my opinion. You're in all of this stuff, the Common Core, the, this kind of change that you're talking about with the literacy. Um, you're talking about directives that came from on very high, right? Yes. It yes. came from Washington, or you know, not even New York government, but came from some faraway authority. Is that? Is that kind of like top-down structuring of day-to-day education something that you saw increase over time? Yeah, I mean, it wasn't... When I first started teaching in the DOE in 1998, I loved it. You know, you became... And as each year passed, you became to 
love it a lot less every year, you know, because of all the nonsense. We just wanted to do our jobs. We just wanted to, you know, teach our class, have have the kids have some fun, have them get exercise, and then it became about all this other stuff, you know. And again, I wouldn't really, because I wasn't in the other classes, but I talked to my colleagues who teach English, who teach social studies, who teach science. So you kind of have an idea of what's going on, even though you're not actually present in the class. But yeah, we got to do this, we got to do that, and, you know. And things got worse every year, you know. Mm-hmm. And I was so close. I saw the light at the end of the tunnel, you know, was going to be the summer of 2023 for me. That's what I was looking to, to get out and then just live happily ever after. And then all this stuff happened, and, you know. So now I'm in another fight. Now I've got <laughs> other things that I'm doing, other goals in mind. Yeah. You know. Do you want to say anything about what what, what you're doing personally going forward, or? <laughs> uh, not, no. I mean, not really. I mean, uh, I'm just trying to like enjoy life as much as possible. Like I yeah. said, the first time I got on an airplane since this whole thing happened was last week, and I went down to Atlanta, Georgia, to visit a family friend we hadn't seen in many years, and you know that was a great time. And you know, I'm just trying to enjoy life and, and try to educate people so that's why like you know when I got a chance to appear on this podcast I'm like yeah I'm into like alright I'll be on your podcast I want to reach as many people as I can to try to wake people up to say like come on you have to this is really important we are at a crossroads it can go one way or the other we could go full blown communism or we could say like no we're taking we're taking our lives and our country back you know we're not going to allow tyrants to tyrants only have as much power as we give them you know, we outnumber them a hundred to one, <laughs> you know, but if you comply, then like, yeah, then that's the problem, you know, so I'm trying to wake up people to their agenda and say like, they're lying, stop listening to pathological liars and stop complying with with what they tell you to do. Why communism, not just authoritarian, not just authoritarianism, but communism? Well, Why I mean, I see this as an agenda that to me seems like it has all the earmarks for communism. You know, the whole notion about giving up your liberty for the greater good. That's not what the United States is supposed to be. And I love when people use the term democracy. That's another scary term. People don't even realize it. They're like, well, that's not what a democracy... Well, democracy is not a good thing. Democracy is mob rule. Democracy is when the 51% rule over the 49%. It's mob rule. The United States is supposed to be a constitutional republic. People say the United States is a democracy. That's not a good thing. I think it was Benjamin Franklin who said democracy is uh, two wolves and a lamb deciding what to have for lunch. <laughs> right? That's a democracy. <laughs> you know? And it's not a good thing. The United States is supposed to be a constitutional republic where everyone's rights matter, not where the 51% rule over the 49%. So maybe that'll give people something to think about. So we don't have direct democracy, but we have this like representative democracy that's supposed to moderate the democracy, right? That's supposed to prevent it from becoming mob rule, like you're saying, just a, a tyranny of the majority, right? Right. So I, ge- I guess that sort of makes me, you know, HBO just put out a series called The Anarchists, and you know some people have referred to me that way like oh so you don't want any government I'm like 
pretty much no, <laughs> you know. And as far as like voting, it's like I don't really vote for any of the candidates. I will either write in a vote or not vote at all because I don't really see them as representing anything that I believe in, you know. I didn't vote for uh Biden or Trump in the last election. I didn't vote for Trump or Hillary in the last election. You can just keep going back and, you know, I've written in votes, you know, of people that I actually respect and, you know, but I once heard uh, one of the guys that I follow on YouTube who said that voting is your written consent to have someone you don't know rule over your life. And when I heard it put that way, I said, wow, I never thought of it like that. Yeah, why do you want to have someone else make laws or mandates or whatever to rule over you? Don't you just want to be left alone and to just live your life as a free person? I do. So if that makes me an anarchist, okay, I guess I'm an anarchist. <laughs> you know, anarchy just, see, people have the negative connotation of that word. And it simply means without rule. Yeah, I guess I kind of want to live my life without rule. I don't want to be told what to do. I just... Now, of course, that doesn't mean that you can do whatever you want and go, you know, hurt somebody or, you know, physically assault somebody or rob them. Or No, that's not what we're talking about here. It simply means that, yeah, you just want to be left alone to live your life, not hurt anybody. And maybe it'd be a good idea to help your fellow, fellow man or fellow woman. You know, like, that would be a good thing. That's, that's the life I want to live. That's the country I would love to live in. But right now, it's not like that at all. It's, we have such tyranny. Okay, but some people would say, well, the electoral system is the tool for achieving that, right? Because the, the, the electoral college? The, the electoral system, electing representatives, oh, okay. right? Ele electing uh, people to political office. And in your case, you would want to vote for people who are, you know, libertarians, who are small government Republicans, maybe, mm -hmm. people who would uh, deconstruct some of the overbearing bureaucracy that you're talking about and the you know, over the legal overreaches that you're talking about. Um, and that's, so, so, but if you're not, yeah. if you're not going to turn to that, um, avenue of, of addressing government through elections, like how do you achieve that? How do you influence the government in the way that you want, if not by electing people? It's a great question. And that could probably be a two hour conversation, which <laughs> at the moment I don't have the answer for. You know, I, and I'm being honest, I don't really have the answer for that, you know. I don't like what I see in this country right now. I hate what I've seen over the last few years. I have hate what I've seen over the last 20 years. But I've seen it get progressively worse, you know. You know, if you look at what happened, let's use 20 years, let's, after 9-11. That event was used to put forth so many tyrannical things, you know, uh, the Patriot Act, the Department of Homeland Security, the TSA, the Military Commissions Act, I mean, the war in Iraq, like there was just so many things, there was an agenda that was put forth after that event. And none of those things would have been possible had it not been for what happened on 9-11, all right? And now we see this whole COVID pandemic thing, and I'm using the word deliberately, okay? And the agenda that's gone along with that. And it's as bad as the agenda was 20 years ago after 9-11. This is so much worse. You know? And what's what's next on the agenda? 
Where are we going to be in 2023 or 2025? You know, this stuff's got to stop. And again, it only stops when the people say we've had enough. You know, so as far as electing people who are going to, you know, I don't know that that's the answer. You know, maybe it is. We'll find out. But do these people really have our best interests at heart? You know, I met Rob Astorino a few months ago. Seemed like a decent enough guy. He was one of the Republicans running for governor of New York State. And then in the primaries, Lee Zeldin won. So, okay, if I got a choice between Lee Zeldin or Kathy Hochul, yeah, I'd probably pick Lee Zeldin. But then you can find a video from, you know, 10 or 11 years ago where Lee Zeldin was talking about Governor Cuomo and saying how, oh, I wish, you know, if Governor Cuomo was the president, this country would be in a much better position. Like, Andrew Cuomo, really? <laughs> you know, and Lee Zeldin is on video saying that. So it's like, do I have a lot of confidence that Lee Zeldin is going to be a great guy or, you know, do a great job as governor? No. Would I rather have him than Kathy Hochul? Yes, because I already know what she is <laughs> in, the, in the short time she's been in office. And I love the commercials that they put, you know, Kathy Hochul is up late at night working hard for New Yorkers and she's signed over 400 bills. Yeah, she signed over 400 bills to take away your freedom. Like, you know, she wants to have quarantine camps. She's a lunatic. So, yeah, you know, is Lee Zelda going to be better? Well, I, you talked about hope before. Well, let's hope so. <laughs> what have I not asked you about that's important to talk about? Oh, my gosh. That. Oh, I, I don't know. I think we've pretty much covered everything we can cover. And, you know, we've been talking for quite a while. Um, just that, you know, people people need to, to fight back. You know, that that's really, I guess, my message. Research. Don't trust what you're being told. And if you find out something that doesn't make sense to you, if something doesn't make sense to you, then why do you believe it? Don't believe it because that's what you've been told. Do your own research and then just have have some guts to to stand up to the tyrants that are, you know, trying to take away your freedom. You know? I did and it cost me my job. So be it. They'll come a day. They'll come a day for justice. You know, but you gotta keep fighting the good fight. Don't just lay down and, you know, and accept what you're being told. And don't accept any don't accept any level of tyranny. Fight back against it. I guess it's about all I can say because, you know, I got a big mouth and, you know, people who know me know I can talk for hours, but, you know, uh, yeah, we could talk for a long time, but I think we covered, a, we covered a lot today as far as, you know, where things are with this alleged mandate that is so unlawful and, and, and I'm going to use the word, and immoral. I believe that these vaccine mandates and anything that was mandated, whether it was mass or anything, you have to do this. You must. I think it's immoral, not only unlawful, but immoral to tell a human being, you know, what they should do to keep their job, to keep their livelihood, to say, like, you're not worthy of employment if you don't do what we tell you to. This was all about power. It was all about control. It doesn't have anything to do with the health of people, of individuals or the group as a whole. None of this ever had anything to do with people's health. Never. Not from the start. Not now. And as we move forward, now that, you know, they've just approved vaccinations in children as young as six months. Oh, my gosh. Six-month-old babies getting 
vaccinated against this thing? What risk are they at? Six months old, a year old, five years old. They're at risk? Are you kidding me? Just take care of yourself. Boost your immune system. Don't cover it up with a mask. Don't inject something into your bloodstream. Do the things that we've always been taught. Get some fresh air. Go out in the sun. Get some vitamin D. Eat the right foods. Get a good night's sleep. Boost your immune system. Don't compromise it. And all the things that they told us to do are compromising your immune system. Here I am. I'm two and a half years in. And I've done the exact opposite of everything I've been told. And I've never gotten COVID. And if I do, because I'm not arrogant enough to think that it's impossible for me to get COVID. I don't think I will. But it's possible. And if I do, I truly believe I will be part of the 99 point something percent that's going to survive. I've survived worse. I've had pulmonary embolisms. I've had kidney stones. I had a septicemia. I've been through worse and I survived every one of them. And if COVID come along, I'll kick COVID's ass too. I think that's a great place to leave it. <laughs> I think that's a great note to end it on. <laughs> I agree. Thank you, Amy. <laughs>